Imagine that the doctor tells you you're going to die. I know for some that's, that's been a reality of people they know. The doctor has said you're going to die. And usually they don't say it so bluntly. But we, we, you have a choice. When you hear those words, you're going to die. You have a choice. How are you going to react? Because the, the doctor, maybe the doctor's about to say, but I have a way to save you. But we don't, some people don't want to hear that way. Because, because they don't want to accept the reality that they're going to die. I don't know about you, but, but we have this problem. We all have this problem, and it's called sin. Actually, I do know about you. We, we all have this problem. But I don't know, in this example of, what, what do we do with this? Because what do, we, what do we do when we find out that the problem leads to death? Do we, do we run away from the problem? Do we deny the problem? Or do we run to the doctor that can save us? And so today we're going to be looking at the second part of this Gospel Threads message, uh, the sinfulness of man. The sinfulness of humanity, of mankind. uh, That we all have this problem that we can't fix. Last week we we looked at how how God's holiness and justice required a payment that He can graciously provide. We saw the character of God, that God is holy, that God is just, and God is gracious. And those are, those are key parts to understanding the Gospel. Of course, God is way more than those things, but those are key understandings that we need to, to know if we're going to be able to fully understand and accept and embrace the Gospel, live the Gospel, and tell people about the Gospel. The Gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And this, this second part is the one that often gets kind of skipped over or rushed past the sinfulness of man. And, and if we skip over this part, or, if we do, or we just kind of rush it, then the need of forgiveness and God's grace, what God sent Jesus to the cross to pay for our sin, that doesn't seem so important if we don't understand the sinfulness of, that we are in. And so, uh, today we really just want to jump into what this looks like, how this sin affects us. And so there's this, um, in the, the Gospel Threads book by David Platt, which we got more books this week, so if you didn't get one last week, love you to pick it up, uh, read it. Last week, uh, the assignment was to read, four, I think I said five pages, but it was really four pages, of uh, chapter one, and to go through the, the questions and really be thinking about you know, how you saw God in, in, uh, through these characteristics of God, His holiness, His justice, His grace, how we, how we see God, and then really that we're talking about these things. We're talking about, so we're not just waiting for this opportunity to tell a neighbor, which we are, we're waiting for an opportunity to tell a neighbor or a friend, someone about Jesus, but we're, we're also, throughout the, each day, we're, we're talking about it to ourselves, reminding ourselves of God's gospel, of his character. And then, really, then, the second part is about this 
the sin that we are in. And so uh, David Platt gives us, in this chapter two, he gives us this paradox, this biblical paradox, and he says that we are created by God and we are also corrupted by sin. And, and so, yes, God created us to be in perfect in His image. He, he made us to be like Him. But in chapter 3 of the Bible, Adam and Eve sinned. And that, and that sin wasn't just for them, it affects all of us. Uh, that we are now in a sin nature. We have this propensity to sin. We have this desire to sin. We have this desire to be our own gods, to do what we want to do, not to listen or obey a good God. And so that's, that's kind of the mess we're in. That we're created by God, but that we are corrupted. Sin has entangled every part of life. Sin has corrupted every part of life, and the good news is that, is that someday there's not going to be any sin. Because when Jesus comes back, He's going to make all things new. And there's going to be no more sin, there's going to be no more pain, there's going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears. It's, it's going to be perfect, the way that God created the world to start with. In the, and we saw in the first two chapters of the Bible, a perfect world. And so, because we have been created by God, we have this, we have this um, lots of things that, that point to God. Like, we are creative. And that we love beauty. And we love, we, we love kindness. And we're, there's lots of things that we can do that points back to having a creative, amazing God, creator God. And, but yet because we are corrupted by sin, often we use the giftings that he's given us to ways that are going to benefit ourselves instead of uh, to give glory and honor to God. And so we have this, what David Platt says, is we have this sobering reality. This sobering reality, and he broke it into three parts. And so in the first one, let's look at Romans 3 and verse 12. Um, Romans 3 verse 12 if you would, open to there, uh, Romans 3. And Romans is a, is a book, letter that Paul wrote to really show all the details of what the gospel message is. And then in the first 11 chapters, and then chapters 12 and beyond, is like how to live it out. But in chapter 3, uh, we'll just start in verse um, 10, because here's this, this piece that says, as it is written. Now, this, there's, it shows a few different places in the Old Testament, as it is written. It says, there is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Verse 12 says, all. Not most but all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. This is very sobering, isn't it? Not even one. I, I remember when I was a kid, and I, I heard there was a, this, a stat that said something about 98% of uh, Christians, they, they fall into this temptation of something. And I remember thinking, 
I'm not going to be the one of the 98%. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the, in the 2%. And, and I was trying to be, on my own accord, trying to be that one that, I mean, it's, it's a good idea. It's good, really. It's really, we want to not sin. But it says here there's no one. There's no one who's done right. There's no one who does good. And this, this idea here is that all have turned away. And, that, and so this, is, this points to our rebellion. And so this first part that he's saying is a sober reality is that we have rebelled against God. Now, I don't know about you, but it probably doesn't sound very good to say that you're a rebellious kid. Like we don't, we don't like to hear about rebellious kids, unless the rebellion, uh, it turns out, redeeming. It turns out they, can't, they come back, you know, the prodigal child returns and is embraced by a loving father or parent. But if you're in the rebellion, you don't want to hear about that you're a rebellious person. You're rebellious against God. But that's, that's the reality, because Romans says we have all, we have all turned away from God. You can try to be in that 1 or 2% that doesn't fall into certain sins, but the reality is we all have sin. We all have rebelled against God. God is a holy God, and, and because God's holy and set apart, He cannot just look the other way when we sin. And we, he can't just say, oh, you're okay, you're, you're fine. Sin is rebellion against the holy God. Because God's way is perfect. And when we say, oh, I'll just do it my way just a little bit here, or I'll just do it, God, you don't really fully understand my situation, so I'm just going to do what I think is better than what you say. That's rebellion. That's sin. And that sin, there, there's kind of a few different ways that, that we can look at this rebellion. And one is called self-indulgence. And it's where you're, you're really going against what God wants. You're, you're going for whatever you want. You know, it, this clearly misses the gospel. We can see that. Like, we want to do, if someone wants to be their own God, or they, want, they probably won't say it like that, but they want to do what they want to do instead of what God wants to do, God's plan, then we're going to say they're missing the mark. They're, they're, miss, they're in sin. They're, they're not part of, <clears throat> of what God wants. They're missing. Um, but <clears throat> there's even more of a dangerous thing, and, and I encourage you in, in this chapter, chapter 2 of this Gospel Threads book to read it, really to try to understand this. He talks about the self-righteousness. And self-righteousness, and what we just sang about this righteousness of God, that, that we, we need you, Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. And our only hope is my righteousness. But it's not my righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. And, and so... Is the righteousness of Christ what we have, or is it the righteousness that we are trying to achieve on our own? And self-righteousness is, is 
exactly that. It's trying to do things that are good to please a holy God. Like, you can go to church all the time. You can read your Bible, like, so much. You can, you can pray, and you can do all these things. You can be leading Bible studies, and you can be doing all kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That doesn't mean that you, have, you are walking in Him. And often... There's, there's some that, that are trying to earn salvation. They, and usually they will never say this. They're trying to earn salvation. They're trying to earn their way to please God. And this is that dangerous, really dangerous thing about self-righteousness. Because self-righteousness misses the gospel. Jesus said at, at the end of the, the Sermon on the Mount, He said there's going to be people that come and say, Lord, Lord, we did these things in your name. Lord, we, we, did, we did good things for you. And Jesus says very soberly, sad, I'm sure, very sad, I'm sure, I don't know you. He says, I don't know you. It doesn't mean, just because we do lots of good things and we're trying to do things for God, that doesn't mean we're in a relationship with God, because self-indulgence and self-righteousness is, is part of our rebellion against God, because what it's doing is, the core problem is that it's all about us, that we are trying to do what we want to do. One way is doing it however we want against God, another way is however we want to please God, and both fall short, and both are part of our rebellion and so, this rebellion, it leads to being separated from God. In Romans 3.23, if you're still in Romans 3, you can just uh, look there just in a few, a little bit later here in verse 23. It says, it says, for all have sinned. Again, not most have sinned. Not... 98% of people have sinned, but all have sinned. Not even 99.99 and a whole bunch of nines, unless you're counting Jesus as that only one. Jesus is the only one that hasn't sinned. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's this, God expects perfection. And the only possible way we can have perfection is through His Son, Jesus Christ, through His righteousness. And what sin does is it separates us from God. You know, when we are separated from God, we often run from God. Or we try to hide from God. We, we try to, to pretend the sin doesn't, isn't there, or it doesn't matter, or it's not that big a deal. We try to say, oh, well, other people have bigger problems. Other people are, you know, look at those people. They're, they're killing people in that war. So other people, they're, they're doing all these, you know, they're, they're terrorists or they're, or they're cheating on their taxes or I, I don't know. They're doing things that are worse than me. And so therefore, what I'm doing isn't that bad. We, we kind of justify our sin. But sin is sin and it separates us from a loving and holy 
perfect God. We have that option to, to run away from God, but I think what's really neat is that we can run to God. God doesn't say, get away from me, I never want to have anything to do with you because you've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. While we are still sinners, He died for us. And so, because He died for us, we can come to Him. We can come and confess our sins. We can come and repent. We can come and, and, and ask Jesus to show us the sin that we don't even realize we have. Because often, it's not always the blatant sin of you hurting someone, you saying something mean, you, you're doing something that's affecting others. A lot of times, most of the time, sin does affect others. But sin always affects your relationship with God. And sometimes, the sin that we have, we may... It's, it's so deep down inside of us. It's, it's part of how we've been just doing it so often we don't even realize that we're doing it. It's, but it's still sin. And that's still something that God wants. His Spirit will, will bring it to light so we can confess that and we can be right with God. You know, in, in this book, in chapter 2, he talks about shame guilt and fear. And all these are ways, this consequences of being separated from God and, and how we, when we're shameful, we deal with our shame and we, we hide or we, what are we doing with it? We have this guilt. What do we do with this guilt? Are we running to God or are we running away from God? Because I, I think it's, it's usually one of those two things. We're running to or away and if you're just standing, we're probably still drifting away. So we, have, we are separated from a loving God because of our sin. And this third piece here, in Romans 6.23, so flip over just a few verses, if you, or a few chapters if you would, um, to Romans 6 instead of 3. So we go from Romans 3.12 to Romans 3. 23 to Romans 6:23. Good verses to know, especially if you try if you want to be able to um, study this or talk to people about the gospel. But in the last verse of, of Romans 6, it says, "For the wages of sin is death." So the, the result, the, the payment of sin is death. And it says here, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God that we have that gift. That, well, he's given that gift that we can choose to accept that gift. But it says here that, that, that sin not only separates us from God, but it's the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. And so this third part is that the sobering reality is that we are dead without God. Now, that's sobering, I know. We are dead without God. Nobody wants to hear that they are dead. But think about it. If someone has rebelled against God, and someone is separated from God, and someone is dead without God, first of all, they, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to know that. 
And it's only going to be the work of the Holy Spirit that's going to bring light to them on these, these areas of sin. But that doesn't excuse us. It actually helps us to know that, it's not, that when we are telling people about this, it's not on us to say the right words. It's not on us to, to, to say how, you know, explain it exactly perfectly because it's the work of the Spirit that's in us. The work of the Spirit is going to be the one that's going to be drawing people, to be, to be opening their eyes from their deadness. Opening their eyes that they are separated from God because of their rebellion. And I, I was at a funeral yesterday and I was thinking about death a lot this last few weeks with, with Ani's mom dying and, and uh, a few other people, my wife's grandma. But when someone dies, there's nothing they can do to come back from the dead. There's, there's nothing a dead person can do to become alive. And the same is true of our deadness without God. There's nothing that we can do to bring us back to life. It's only by the grace of God. It's only for what, what, what He has done. David Platt said in his book that if our... And I have it on the screen, I think. Um, if our problem is simply that we've messed up, or done a few bad things, then any religion with a list of good works will, will do to suffice. So if we just need a little bit, you know, if sin is just a, a little problem, a sin, if we've just done a few bad things, then any religion can, be the, can essentially help us, right? But that's, that's not the Gospel. He says, but if our problem is that we are dead without God, then the only the life-giving gospel of God's grace, a grace that comes to us, will suffice. If we are dead, then the only solution is that we have a, a God that dies in our place. There's no religion. There's nothing else outside of Jesus where, they, where the God dies in your place. There's a, there's a lot of religions, there's a lot of beliefs about God and about who God is or not, if there's no God or whatever, but whatever it is, there's no other way that a God came to save you. He took the nails for me, for you. And the, the problem isn't just that we've messed up a little bit. The problem isn't just we have a few, we've done just a few bad things. The problem is that we are dead. Without God, we are dead because we've rebelled and we're separated from Him. And the more we understand that we are dead without God, the more we understand that we are separated from God, the more we understand that we've rebelled against God, the more we're going to see our need for God's grace, not just once or twice or sometimes, but we're going to see 
His need for grace in our life all the time. In fact, there's a chart here that I have uh, found from um, Phil Miller, or no, Paul Miller, uh, from the book A Praying Life. And it's this idea of our view of God, our view of God's grace. And so on this, on this bottom line that is slanting down, it, shows, it says a deeper and deeper knowledge of our sinfulness. And at, at our conversion, uh, the top part says a deeper and deeper knowledge of God's holiness. So when we first come to Christ, we see, a, we see the cross and we, we say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for accepting me for my sin. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. And we, we see this, we have this like small view of the Gospel. But the more we understand the holiness of God, the more we understand the depth of our sin and the heights of God's holiness, the greater we see how wonderful the Gospel message is. The Gospel of Jesus. So when we, when we see, man, we are, we are you know, we're sinful. And, and, and it wasn't just that I came to Christ one time and, and everything's good, but we're still dealing with sin. And then we see, that's like maybe that second cross, we see, oh man, we, God is a holy God and God, God is His perfection. He has perfection and we are just deep in sin. And so we see that, that gospel is bigger and bigger. And we keep seeing it bigger and bigger. The more we see how corrupt we are in sin, and the more we see how holy and righteous God is, the more we're going to see and experience the gospel of His grace. And the more we're going to respond to who Jesus is and what He's done for us, the more we're going to worship and love, not out of self-righteousness, but out of His righteousness. We're going to respond to His grace. And part of responding is, is living out His grace on a regular, daily, hourly, Lord, I need you every hour basis. And, and not so we can be in the depths of despair, like how terrible we are, and punish ourselves, but know how we can see how God dealt with our sin and loves us. And He didn't look the other way. And He didn't say, you're too big of a problem. But He bared it all. So let's not try to fix our way to heaven. Let's not try to get our way to heaven. Let's not try to get our way to God. Let's accept His free gift of salvation. Let's realize that we are sinful and that we are in need of a Savior. And, and the more we can understand that, the more we can live it. The more we can live it, the more we can share it. And so this is so important because I hope all of you have experienced Jesus' grace. And I hope all of you know Jesus. And I hope all of you are right with Jesus. But if you're not, it's not too late. And, and even if you're not, 
you don't have to be in rebellion. You don't have to be separated. You don't have to be dead. Because God's grace forgives. God's grace gives you that right relationship with the Father because He looks at what Jesus did on the cross as payment for our sin. So, if that's you, don't wait. Please don't wait. And if that's not you, then let's keep understanding how awesome God's holiness is and how deep our sin is and how we need Him. And our gospel, our view of the gospel just gets bigger and bigger. And when it gets bigger, then we, show, then we want to live it out. We want to show people who God is. And so the, the ways that, in the back of the, the notes today, uh, it, he gives, David Platt gives in this, in this chapter, different ways to weave in the gospel message. Remember, this is called gospel threads, not just um, talking about the gospel, but how that we can weave the gospel truth into our everyday conversations. And so this week, not only do I, I'm asking you to read 12, uh, 12 pages, sorry, a little bit longer, uh, but you can do it, 12 pages. Uh, but be looking how, more importantly, how to weave this gospel thread into your everyday conversations, into your everyday life. So the first one he says is to speak respectfully to and about all people as individuals created in the image of God. So if, if we are going to gossip and we're going to talk bad about people, we're going to, even people that are doing bad things, that's not going to show the goodness of God's grace. It's not going to show the gospel. It's not going to show people kindness love. And so it's actually going to hurt more than it's going to help. And actually, those things are sin in, in themselves, so let's not do those. <laughs> but, and if you are, then that's, that's why we need Jesus, right? So that's the first one. Speak respectfully about people. And the second, it says, look intently for opportunities to encourage others by the grace of God. So whether someone is a believer in Jesus or not, they can be encouraged by the grace of God. They can look for ways that we can, we can show them their need for a Savior. And share confidently in, a, in view of the regenerating power of God. God gives, His Spirit gives us boldness to share. So share it. If God's, if God's leading you to share something, share it boldly. Share it with humility. Share it depending on Him for words. And then we can talk about our rebellion and talk about our separation and talk about our deadness. And he gives lots of little examples here. About our rebellion, we can acknowledge the reality of sin. The sin that's in us and the sin that's around us. Let's just talk about it. That's the first thing. Because Sometimes we just kind of forget there's sin. Or we're not even realizing all the, the de details of sin. So let's talk about that. There's a reality of sin. Acknowledge the root of sin. So it's not just that people are doing some bad things sometimes, but there's a sin problem. It goes deeper because people want to do their own, they want to get their, do their own thing instead of God's way. Speak honestly about our propensity to sin. You can share your struggles like, how it's hard and how 
we're tempted. How, how there's the hard things. It's hard to, to live without sin. Because actually, it's not just hard. It's impossible. So we can talk about, we can talk about that. How even we sin and how we need a Savior. Talk about sin in all its forms. Talk about sin in light of its force. And then about our separation. Speak humbly about the seriousness of sin. This is not something we take light in. You know, I know sometimes we, we can use sarcasm or we can kind of joke around about different sins. But it, it's serious. It separates us from God. It's, it's a rebellious act. To be in sin, and, it, and it, it's, because of sin, we're dead. So let's not joke around about it. Let's, let's realize it's serious, and that we have the physician that will give us the cure. We just have to stop ignoring or being in denial about it. So let's let's speak with seriousness and with hope. It says, "Let the effects of sin inform the way you talk about salvation," because if we just get talk about salvation, talk about the good news of Jesus, but we kind of skip over the bad news, the good news doesn't seem that good. So let's talk about the bad news. The bad news is that we have all sinned. We have all rebelled. We are all separated from God. So when, when you're in conversations about guilt, talk about the forgiveness of Christ. Don't just, talk, don't just leave it at your, about the guilt level, but talk about how Jesus offers forgiveness. When you're in conversations about shame, talk about honoring Christ. Because we go from guilt to forgiveness, and we go from shame to honor, and we go from fear to freedom in Christ. So when we're in Christ, we don't have to be stuck in guilt or shame or fear. But let's talk about those things. Let's go to Jesus with those things. Let's confess those things. And about our deadness, this is, this is probably hard, but it says, respond to the death of non-Christians with appropriate honor, biblical honesty, and personal humility, heartbreaking anguish, and life-giving resolve. We, we don't know each person's heart. We don't know when someone dies if they are going to be with Jesus or not. We have a good idea often, but it's not for us to decide, and, it's, and we don't decide. It's Jesus that decides. So when someone, it doesn't seem like someone had a relationship with Jesus and they die, it's not for us to say they're in hell. It's not for us to say it's, it's, it's sad for them. What it is for us to say is we can talk about how only Jesus offers hope, how only Jesus gives life. And we want to point people to Jesus. And then we can respond to the death of Christians with profound sorrow. It doesn't mean we skip the sorrow. We still have sorrow. We, we still mourn when someone dies that, that we know or that we love. But we don't just stay in our sorrow because we have hope that they are with Jesus. We have abiding joy and sincere worship and an unshakable hope because we know salvation comes through Jesus and 
if someone is walking faithfully with Jesus, not in a self-reliant or a self-righteous way, but in truly doing what Jesus wants, responding to His call, living with, in response to the, the grace accepted by Jesus, accepted by the person through Jesus. And we have a hope that they are with Jesus. Second to last one, it says, constantly point to our dependence on, dependence on God. We, we need you, Lord. We need you for our help. We need you for our guidance. We need you for provision. We need you all the time. So let's just let's be talking about our dependence of God. I know that's kind of a hard thing to do in an independent society. We, like, we want to just think we can do it on our own. I, I can say I'm very thankful that you guys are praying for me as we came back from Texas last night. We went to Texas back and forth and for a, a, my wife's um, grandma's funeral. And that was, that was a, a sad time and a, a really good time. But yeah, there was a lot of driving in the night. And, and I couldn't do it on my own. And, I, and if, I, if I just stayed up here and say, yeah, we got it, it was good, that's not true. It wasn't just that it was good. It was that God gave grace to us while we drove through the night. That you guys, a lot of you guys were praying for us. And a lot of you guys are praying right now for, for the Kelly family as they're in Argentina and dealing with the loss of Ani's mom and, and just bring, bringing that hope to their family and, and that joy and comfort. We need the Lord. We need each other. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about how we are dependent on the Lord. And then constantly point to our desperation for God. Because we need God, not just to get to heaven. We need God throughout, every day, all the time. So let's be looking this week for ways that we can talk about our rebellion and talk about our separation and talk about our deadness, even though those are really hard things to do. But as we as we look for ways to do that, and as we pray for opportunities, I pray that God would give us those opportunities to share with yourself and with people around you, and then being bold to share even with those who don't know Jesus. And we want to see the gospel coming to life in people. We want to see Jesus, his transforming power, bringing people to his kingdom and his life. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have saved us from our sin. You have saved those who have accepted your free gift of salvation. Lord, I pray that this week as we think about sin, about our rebellion and our separation and about our deadness, God, I, th- I pray that you would give us opportunities to think through those, to be right with you. Lord, that your Spirit would convict us of, of maybe sins we don't even realize that we're committing or sins that we know we are committing and we need to change and we need to be right with you. So Lord, we just pray that you would convict us where we need convicting. And we pray that we would have hearts that be ready to turn to you for your forgiveness, for your grace, 
And Lord, I pray that as we do that, that we be looking to share this hope and this grace, this forgiveness with others. That we would be able to share about this, this hard topic of sin that no one wants to hear about. But I pray that you would give us opportunities to share. And God, I pray that more than anything else, that you receive all glory and honor. God, we pray that there would be people that come to you, that people would rejoice finding you because of the work of your Spirit. Please help us to be obedient to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.